Good morning, guys. My name is Tommy. I'm a pastor here uh, at this particular establishment. And right after this, my family and I are leaving for a week's vacation in Florida. We have like a 13-hour drive. So, yeah, so hey, that's fun. You can clap for that if you want, I guess. <clears throat> Florida. So God loves you and Jesus saves. Thanks a lot. See y'all. <laughs> See you next week. Paid a lot of money for that education to tell you those two things in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, it is like, when I drive, I'm pretty regimented. Isn't it funny how you change as you get older? None of this has anything to do with the sermon, but like even, like when I was a kid, man, we could do a 13 hour. It was nothing. In college, we just get in the car and go 30. We didn't even know where we were going. Now it's like, man, I'm worried. It's a long drive for me. Listen to this. Speaking of getting old, last night, I was sitting in my house like trying to get sleep because I know I got this message. I know we're leaving. I know we got all these things. I'm trying to sleep. And like at 11 o'clock, firecrackers. Pam, 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 pam. Pam, 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 pam. Pee, pee. I was getting so annoyed. Like I was so, if it was you, like I'm so mad at you right now. I want you to know it. I'm sitting there and I'm, and so here, because I'm, because I'm getting older, I start contemplating all these things. Like I, I was about to call the police. Like I'm that guy now. You get your firecrackers off my lawn. Like I was about to, and then I was like, I'm not going to call the police. I'm not that kind of guy. So I'm just going to talk bad about them on the East End community page. That'll make me feel better. I didn't do that. So instead, I just prayed curses on them. I repent. Man, I was mad though. Dang, Gina. Peppy Pew. All right, so. Yep. So anywho, today we're doing summer cinema at the movies or whatever we call this thing now and uh, this movie, like, was one, this is probably not one I'd go home and watch with the kids. There's just a lot going on. There's a lot of kind of dark and stuff in this movie. It's, a, it's like a battle of good and evil. Uh, there's, there's all just sorts of different things. But I think as we talk about this today, you're going to understand why I used this movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a classic. I had never seen it before, but during Rona, I had a tremendous amount of time to watch movies. So this was one I watched. So check this out, guys. All right, so like this is the story of, of, a, of a hobbit named Frodo Baggins, and he's going on this quest to try to destroy this ring, and there's good, and there's just all sorts of, and like normally I'm not a fan of movies with wizards and all this kind of stuff, but there is a message in this movie that I think the church needs to hear. There's a message in this movie that I saw that I think is so important for us right now, and the message is the power of sin. And so today we're going to talk about sin. So I hope you enjoyed last week. <laughs> But it's necessary. And in this movie, it's such a powerful illustration of this. I mean, even in the trailer, it's a ring, and the ring is, and I think the, in the whole, the ring is, is like an allegory, an analogy for sin. The ring is forged by a dark lord. The ring uh, brings chaos to the earth, and, and whoever has it is destroyed, and it corrupts people, and it, it causes murder and lies and deceit, and it breaks relationships, and it causes wars and famines and plagues and all this stuff. And the ring is so dangerous. And the person who has it never really wants to get rid of it. People begin to justify it. They think it's beautiful. And there's all these things. And that is sin in the world. Even I, I love that Aragon, at the end of it, he's kind of the good-looking dude with the hair. At the end of it, he's like, are you scared yet? Frodo's like, yeah. And he said, you're not scared enough. You're not afraid enough. We don't fear sin enough. We negate little sins. Oh, that's not a big deal. And we don't act like this is a big deal. But sin is the very reason God sent his son to die on the cross. 
Sin, sin is the whole story of the Bible. It's, it's God creates a world and we choose sin. And then God sends his one and only son to destroy that sin in our lives so that we might live free. If we don't understand the importance of sin, we don't understand the value of the story. Sin. That's what it does. It destroys relationships. It corrupts people. It corrupts countries. It causes war and famine and plagues. And, and that's what sin does. And our God is holy and our God hates sin. He won't be in the presence of it. Hence, Jesus Christ's blood on the cross so that we could once again be with God. And in the movie, the whole movie centers around Frodo trying to destroy the ring because the ring has so much power over people. And we should all get this. Like we should all, today, in today's message, we should all understand because we all get sin. We all understand the, the power and the, maybe some of the pleasure and the pain associated. We are all sin experts in this room. We could combine those two words and make a name for a church, sin experts. Actually, that might not be the greatest idea. But we get it. We understand sin. I mean, this isn't like I'm talking about farming today and I'm the only person who knows what I'm talking about. Or math, and I'm the only person who doesn't know what you're talking about. We all get this. As a matter of fact, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Y'all know what that translates to in, in Greek? You know what all means? All. You know what it means in Hebrew? All. You know what it means in East End? Everybody. Right? Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I've seen everybody sin, man. Right? That's what it means. All of us. Every single one of us. So no one, no one gets the privilege to check out today. There's some, most Sundays, y'all happy you can check out. Not today. Today we all got to pay attention. Because this one will affect or has affected every single person in this room all. This clip I'm about to show you is uh, Frodo's uncle, and his name is Bilbo. And it, as, as you now know, the ring is sin, okay? So picture the ring as sin. And now watch this next clip and watch Bilbo's interaction with the ring. Check this out. I love it. He's having this conversation about the ring, and he blames other people, and he hides it, and he knows he doesn't need it, but he wants it. And then, he's, and then and he tells, I think you're trying to rob it from me. And Gandalf's like, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. You know me. These are the conversations we have with God. We've experienced this, right? It's, it's almost like he's having two completely different conversations. He's talking to Gandalf, and then, and then he's, my precious. And then he's talking, this is what we do. We talk to God, how great is our God? And then we get in the car, my precious. We got a little sin. We're having two completely different conversations all the time. We're like, we blame other people for our sin. It's like, well, I wouldn't if she wouldn't. I'm only doing this because of he. Blah, 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 blah. And we, we justify, and we hold, and we lie. And then he tries to walk out, and the thing's still in his pocket. Sometimes it's hard to let go of, isn't it? Because sin is powerful. So powerful it feels natural sometimes, doesn't it? You ever had a sin that felt so good it just felt natural? It's hard to let go of, man. And these are the conversations we're having. But these conversations aren't original. This didn't start with us. This is a conversation that man has been having from the beginning of time. Remember, I'm going to read you guys uh, from Genesis chapter 2. And it's a story of Adam and Eve. And I know that as I read this, I'll lose some of you because you're like, well, I don't think that story is real. I don't care if you think it's real or not. 
Consider it an analogy for the sin in your life right now. We can discuss that some other day. Right now, I'm not worried about if you think this is a literal story, but it is an incredible analogy for the sin in our lives. So this is Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So here's the scene. God creates man, and he's in the garden, and he's like, you can have anything you want. And God, God he's like, all right, I want apples. And so he's eating apples or whatever, pears, or he's all the fruit he wants. And then God gives him a woman, and she's not even wearing clothes. And so the man is just, everything's going well, right? He's just enjoying life in the garden. Nobody has any shame. They're just doing life together, eating watermelon naked, just enjoying life in the garden. That doesn't sound like, goodness, y'all are all crazy. So that's what they're doing, right? This is like, oh, I shouldn't say this. So that's what's happening. And so but all they have to do is not eat from one tree. That's the one thing they can't mess with. They got everything in the world they want. One thing. But what begins to happen? Man and woman begin to think they're smarter than God. They begin to say, I'll decide what's right and wrong for myself, thank you. And so this happens. And this is one chapter later. Not a thousand bazillion years later, one chapter after, how great is our God? They're walking. One chapter later, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say not to eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. He said, you must not touch it or you'll die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God and you will be able to decide for yourself what's right and what's wrong. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good and pleased near the eyes, she took it. She ate some of it. And then she gave it to her husband. He's like, okay, he ate some of it. This is what happens, right? Anything you want. You've known God. You're walking with Him face to face. And now here comes a, a decision where you have to decide, is God right about this, wrong and right, or, or will I be the judge of wrong and right? And they decide in that moment that they will decide what is wrong and what is right. They will trust their own instincts over God's Word. They will trust their feelings over God's Word. They will trust their emotions over God's Word. I will be the judge of what's right and wrong. And in that, we see sin. And it's so important that we understand this. Eating the apple is not the real deal in the story. Eating the apple is the little s sin. The big s sin, big s, big s, just to make sure we're clear on what I'm saying, the big Sometimes when I write things, I don't say them out loud before I preach them. Big S, sin, and the problem is the broken nature inside of Adam and Eve. That's the problem. The little S sin is the apple. The big S sin is their desire to believe themselves over God. It's their desire to trust self over God. It's their desire that I will decide what's right and wrong, not God. And that is the same ring we all wear today. That's the sin inside of us. That's the problem. And what we try to do is manage actions, right? 
We try to manage the little s sins without ever really dealing with the big s sin, which is the brokenness that is inside of me. And that doesn't work. Sin management just isn't that effective. And you might go into Bass Pro Shop and not steal something, but you're still dreaming about it, aren't you? I was in there with my buddy. I can say this because he's in jail right now and can't watch this. But we were in Bass Pro Shop. Ah, he's my best friend. I can say it. We were in Bass Pro Shop the other day, and we were waiting in line. And I'd waited in line like seven minutes. And my friend said, just give me the stuff. And I said, dude, I can't do that. We're not just going to steal the stuff at Bass Pro Shop. I'm late. He's like, you don't have to wait in this line anymore. I was like, I can't do that, man. But that desire, even though he's changing, that desire, that thought is still there. That's what happens when you try to manage little sin without dealing with the big one. You're still dreaming about it, aren't you? You're still thinking about it. There's a problem. We were born sinners. We were born with this brokenness inside us. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in the same way, death came to all people because all have sinned. We are sinful in our mother's womb. And that's so hard, and it doesn't preach well, and it doesn't make a good t-shirt. Welcome to grace. You're all born sinners. All right, we see little kids. Oh, that kid is perfect. No, they're not. They're a broken little sinner. And that's the truth. <laughs> we're all born sinners. I mean, we were born into this world. I was having a conversation with another friend. He was talking about he thought he was born with a propensity to being an addict. We were talking, I was like, man, when, when, did you, when did you really pick up addiction? When did you realize that, he's like, dude, I've been this way my whole life. My whole life, there's been something about me that wanted to feel different. He believes he was born an addict. And I believe that's possible. I believe that's possible. You're going to be born with something in you that, that's not right, some sin gene, and you're battling it for the rest of your life, that there's something in us from birth that's sinful. We see it over and over. That, that, that's the story. We're born. For the problem. We're not born alive and then we become dead through the world. We're born dead. That's why Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He said, you don't walk around condemn condemned people. You don't walk through a cemetery and go, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. You don't need to do that. You don't condemn dead people. He came so that people might have life. And there's a difference. James 1.14, I think this is so important. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. What is tempting me most often? My own evil desire. People do something, they say, where did that come from? It came from your broken heart. We want to blame the devil for every single thing. He can't be everywhere. He's, he's probably in a yacht drinking a margarita watching us going, suckers, they're doing it themselves. He's not worried about it. It's the evil desire inside of us that's causing the problems for us. And if you try to deal with the little sins around without fully surrendering your heart to God, you will live a life of frustration. It's just not possible. So God, I'm just going to stop this. I'm, I'm going to hold on to the ring, which is my broken desire, but I'm going to live different. It's like an alcoholic holding on to a bottle of bourbon but deciding he's not going to drink it. It's just not possible. You will eventually cave if God doesn't change the brokenness inside of you. But this is what Christ came to do. Not help you manage actions. We talked about this last week. I think we're the moral police. God didn't come to help you manage actions. He came to change your heart. And that's what we really need. 
We don't need an action change. We need a heart change. I love John 3. This is so good, man. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the womb a second time. Jesus is like, no, no, they can't. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. What's it mean to be born of water? It's free talk time. What's it mean to be born of water? I don't think so. Have any of you ladies had a baby? Raise your hand if you've had a baby. Was there water associated with that birth? Okay, born of water. That's the first time you're born. You're born of water into the world. And he says, but you must be born of water, which is, I don't guess I need to continually do that illustration for it. But you, you know what I mean. You know, there's your visual for the day. You're born of water, and then you're born of spirit. To be born of spirit is to be reborn. It's when we give our lives to God and the Holy Spirit comes into our heart. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, he doesn't go to war with your actions. He goes to war with the broken, sinful nature inside of you so that you might be made new. God didn't come and die on the cross so that we would bare knuckle our way through life not doing the things we really want to do. He came to change the desires of our heart so that what we begin to desire is holiness. What we begin to desire is God. What we begin to desire for our life is what He wants for our life. Now, there are moments in time for all of us when we will bare knuckle our way through situations, right? But that shouldn't be your whole life story with God. I mean, imagine that testimony of the world. Tell me about Jesus. Well, I just, every day I just wake up and don't do what I want to do. How great is our God? What? Is that really the story? Every day I abstain from something that I really want. No. It's there is a time in my life when I don't do what I want to do. But then God came into my life and he transformed my heart and he changed and he ripped out the old me and gave me a new me and now I just want to do what he wants me to do. Isn't that a better story? It's more appealing from the world. This is why I don't like Christians. Who, or I, I love all Christians. I don't like it when we walk around like this. Curmudgeons. Curmudgeon Christians are the most damaging thing we have in the world. We shouldn't look like this. Hold your head high because you've been set free. That sinful nature in you, God is going to war with it. Even as we speak, God is going to war. That's like you can't say, you can't say, well, that's just who I am. Why do you do that? Well, that's just who I am. I mean, my friend, he's, he's an addict. He can't say, that's just who I am. That may have been how you were born, but that's not how you have to live. Because the God of all creation is setting you free to be who you were designed to be. Sin broke things in us. Sin broke things. But the whole story is God breaking the chains of sin in your life. Now, sin still remains, but it shouldn't reign. And so if you're fighting the same, your, your battle should change, right? I mean, you, you've been fighting, you know, you've been fighting whatever it is. I keep using stealing from Bass Pro Shop. You're fighting stealing from Bass Pro Shop. You shouldn't fight this for your whole life. There should come a time when God changes that desire. Now you're fighting something else. There will always be a battle, but your battle must be changing. And if your battle is not changing, and you're dealing with the same sin over and over and over, that's not an action management problem. That's a heart surrender problem. You have yet to surrender your heart. You have yet to bring in accountability. You have yet to ask the body for help, some friends and some people. You have yet to really put that under the light of God. And if you don't do that, you will try to manage actions for the rest of your life, and you will be a curmudgeon Christian. No. Freedom. There's hope in Christ. 
And the hope is not that you will just bear life not doing what you want to do. I think this is what we teach kids growing up. This is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. I mean, when I was in Sunday school, no knock on my Sunday school teacher, but this is wrong. This is, everything I did was wrong. I got it. I got it. Why don't you point me to the beauty of right? Why don't you quit telling me how bad my sin is and start talking about the glory of how God good, how good God is? Because if all you do is focus on the sin, if all you do is focus on the issue, then the issue will become your God. If all you do is focus on the action, the action will become your God. But if you focus on God, then God will become your God and He will eradicate the heart that wants the action. But you can't do it on your own. We're spending way too much time worried about little less sin when God wants to get rid of the big one. And the big one is that broken heart inside. And I, I, don't, I don't normally do like big altar calls, but I, don't, I do a lot of things I don't normally do. Like if you have not given your life to Christ, and you're just sitting in church, you are fighting a battle of frustration. If you have not really surrendered your life, and you're just sitting here week after week trying to manage the emotions and manage the actions and manage the thoughts and manage the desires, you are fighting a battle you cannot win. Your life must be fully surrendered to experience the fullness of the freedom he designed for you to have. And like Gandalf, he's not trying to steal life from you. To take away those things, to take away those actions, take, that's not stealing life from you. That's giving you life. And that's what he's here to do. So maybe today, maybe today you stop focusing on the real lesson. You start allowing God to deal with the biggest sin that's actually stealing your life. Your broken nature. But you were not designed to.